0: Welcome to Let's Continue the Conversation. Some conversations are inherently difficult to have, especially when they involve race, diversity, and inclusion. I'm Lizzie Morris, and along with my dear friend and co-host, Trisha Broderick, we're here to continue these conversations. We want to see our corporate spaces all over the world be truly inclusive. But for that to happen, everybody needs to be recognized as beautiful in their own right. I am a beautiful person. You are a beautiful person. Let's continue the conversation until the whole world understands this. It starts here, one conversation at a time. Let's connect so that we can collaborate to bring about the necessary change to make our world a beautiful place for all humans. If you are finding yourself motivated and inspired, learning something new, or a fan of the show, let us spread the message together. Help us to do that by screenshotting this episode, add it to your Insta stories, and tag us at Let's Continue the Conversations. And on Twitter, tweet away, Let's Continue the Conversations, and tag us there. It's time to continue the conversation. Let's get started.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Trisha Broderick, and this is Lizzie Morris. And how this came about is is honestly different than what either of us does kind of in a traditional professional sense when we do training and we do coaching for people. We've been friends for many years. We've actually had conversations about difficult topics for years. This wasn't a George Floyd, hap- you know, was killed in in 2020 and we started having these conversations. We've had hotel evenings in the hallway <laughs> outside right. in passing as we we're going past each other. So one day we were having a tough conversation about different topics and Lizzie said, this is what I wish people could hear is just how we're able to have this conversation. And in that moment, I went, well, why can't they? <laughs> let's let's put it out there. And so people can hear um, a conversation where we learn, where we say the wrong things sometimes, where we explore topics and engage because we feel this is what's important. Right, exactly. And our topic today is intersectionality.
0: So intersectionality, is it a thing or is it not a thing? What do you think? That is what we're going to talk about today. So it's going to be interesting to hear what everybody has to say about that, because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to play the video that is going to explain to you now what intersectionality is. So you will hear it from the person who came
2: up with the concept
0: as in hearing it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, which I think is really, really important. So here you go.
2: Intersectionality is just a metaphor for understanding the ways that multiple forms of inequality or disadvantage sometimes compound themselves. And they create obstacles that often are not understood within conventional ways of thinking about anti-racism or feminism or whatever social justice advocacy structures we have. Intersectionality isn't so much a grand theory. It's a prism for understanding certain kinds of problems. African-American girls are six times more likely to be suspended than white girls. That's probably a race and a gender problem. It's not just a race problem. It's not just a gender problem. So I encourage people to think about how the convergence of race stereotypes or gender stereotypes might actually play out in the classroom between teachers and students, between students and other students between students and administrators and commit themselves to understanding that as a way of intervening and providing equal educational opportunity for all students, regardless of their identity. Identity isn't simply a self-contained unit. It is a relationship between people in history, people in communities, people in institutions. So schools do a good job when they understand that and when they commit themselves to curricular development to opportunities in the school for all students to understand the the histories that have brought us to this particular moment. You can't can't change outcomes without understanding how how they've come about. about. So independent schools can take the lead on that to be responsive to their student populations and to the communities out of which the students come.
0: Don't you just love where technology is today? Let's go just find and see what the expert's saying about that and listen to her tell us about what the hell this thing really is. I think that's so powerful, right?
1: Yeah. Cuz you get an interesting. It's not just the definition, right, but it's the perspective that you get with
0: that. Exactly. Because a lot of times we hear these terminologies that are going on and people use them and people don't get it. And they hear it and sometimes when people hear something new, they feel like somehow it's an attack on them not understanding. It's a way of explaining what is going on. That when somebody comes to the room, they're not always one thing. And because they're not always one thing, you could trigger another part of who they are in them still being their authentic self. You know, we're all about in our industry, be authentic, be your authentic self. But do you understand what that means? If I am my authentic self, then all of me comes to the table, all of my strengths, all of my weaknesses, all of my flaws, and all of my triggers, triggers known to me and triggers that are not known to me until you trigger it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your secret self, right? Right. It's going to
0: come out. And I don't think sometimes that is fully understood. So as much as we are still in women's month, right? So we're still in the month of women. I got a little offended yesterday.
1: Oh yeah? Because we got St.
0: Patrick's Day right in the middle of women's month. Like what the hell? We can't get it all to ourselves. There's got to be something else we've got to share it with. So we don't yeah, get I, I I don't
1: have, I have a whole different thing with St. Patrick's Day. So I already eliminated that holiday a long time <laughs> ago. Cause that day now is, is a personal day for me. So I was teaching yesterday and of course
0: I didn't really remember. I knew it was somewhere, but I hadn't really remembered it. Cause I was really focusing in on women's, women's month this month. It's like being my primary focus. And I was like, Oh, I guess I ought to do something then. So you know what I did? I put together a post that being a woman, we don't need luck. So oh. in essence, we don't need what comes from safe. Practice. So that's kind of the way I twisted it to still make it for women that well, because of all yeah. the powerful things we bring to the table, you know, you can kind of keep the four-leaf clover, so to speak. We're bringing yeah, in I haven't you know. celebrated
1: my, my son's anniversary. My first son, Connor, who passed away, passed away on March 17th. So St. Patrick's Day for me has been like non-existent for 17 years. <laughs> um, so I don't even like acknowledge it. I don't, I stay off social media. I guess in one way, it's sad. I get, I mean, it's sad in lots of ways, but we used to take the day off of work. My husband and I would, would like party all day long and things like that. And now I just don't even recognize the day. So uh, for me, it's still just women's month.
3: It's <laughs> <Yep. laughs> so
0: that's, that's, that's what's, well, that's still what's going on. That's the primary. If we take one of the things that she talked about that. And she's obviously her focus in that conversation was more to make sure you keep educating people on this. But if we take the concept of intersectionality and we bring it to women mm-hmm. and you think about it, what we come to the table with. So we come to the table as women. Some of us come as wives, and some of us come as mothers. So if you're coming to the table that way and we hear maybe a planner or organization has or something they're gonna do that we know in our gut is detrimental to children and could affect our kids, yet we know it's profitable to an organization and they're driving for profit. You have this place now where one, you can be triggered and two, you're having to put away a part of yourself to be able to move forward. That's the part that's very hard is that we have become as women very, very skilled and putting away parts of ourselves.
1: I, apparently, every one of my dogs wants to come right near me. So I don't know if you can hear his feet. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to go with it because it's this go week and it. anything happens. But I'm really hoping someone in my house overhears this and gets these dogs away from me right now.
0: <laughs> this is called
1: being at home, Trish.
3: All the I know. And home. I'm tired of Coming being at the home. Point.
1: So I will own this. I don't... Think about that often. And that's a privilege. And I'm owning that. I remember thinking, even in like the Women's March, Mm -hmm. I did participate in the Women's March four plus years ago. And I had a lot of friends, a lot of people of color friend base that were, I'm not sure I want to participate because is it for white women or is it for all of us? Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking in the moment, going, we're all in this together. Like, why? And I was confused and I was frustrated, right? Like, cause I was like, wait, but if you don't participate, this won't be as effective. In my mind, I needed everybody, right? That's Mm -hmm. how I was looking at it. It didn't occur to me that, and this is privilege. And so I'm owning it, right? It didn't occur to me that there were going to be people going, where were you for this? Where were you for this? Where were you for this issue? Kind of to your point, like I'm a black woman, I'm a right? Like. Where were you for these other issues that I was facing that didn't apply to you as much as it did me, Mm -hmm. but you weren't in it for me then, right? And so there was a little bit of me having to really step back and go, what have I not been showing up in that intersectionality way? What have I not been, okay, that's, I don't like that, but it's not as bad for me as it is that I haven't been vocal about. Um, I'll take even she mentioned suspension, which made me laugh because I was suspended in, in high school for hitting a, mm-hmm. hitting a dude um, he called me a name and I didn't like it. And so I I warned him. I said, call me it again. And I'm laying you out. And he called me <laughs> it again. And I laid him out um, and I still got suspended. But like uh, it was worth it. But I stop and I I've always known what is it, three or four times as likely Mm rate for black women to die during childbirth? I've always, I've known that. I've known that for 17 years when my son died. Mm -hmm. What have I done about it? Nothing, right? I haven't spoken up about it. I haven't said anything. I haven't raised money. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been there. And yet I do so much related to Neonatal loss and and pregnancy loss and and, and taboo mm-hmm. topics along those lines, but there was one slice of it that I had the privilege to not address or not highlight as much. And for me, when we talk about this subject, that was my real like. Oh, I can't just cherry pick the part of it that does impact me enough, but really pick the the full picture, the full perspective, the full full authentic selves for people. And so I know personally, this is an area that I just, I haven't shown up as much as I want to. It's
0: hard because when I would want to pat myself on the back for stuff I'm doing, you know what I mean? Which never feels right, right?
1: Right? Like it it also doesn't feel right to do that. Yeah.
0: It doesn't. It doesn't. And you think when you think, well, I have done this now and I have done this now. And I thought I was the biggest champion for in essence, you know or whole individuals and interactions, I got that down. I understand that I'm an agileist, I teach people about that. I'm always making sure that happens, but I'm not right when I'm not recognizing a whole person and I'm not holding space for a whole person that's the
1: challenge I'll add to that because it's not just holding space for that person, it's holding space for things you can't even comprehend that they may have endured or faced, right? And so it's holding space beyond what you even know or can comprehend. And that is
0: scary. And that's a whole you're right, because that's a whole nother level. I'm going into a room now, right? Because obviously we're always talking to our corporate audience. You're going into a meeting now and you want a really productive meeting and you're talking about change right? What are we going to do to make our organization be great for tomorrow? What can we do to help our employees? What can we do? And we're talking about this and putting programs into space. But when we put this program into place, we're not looking at everybody who's even sitting
1: around the table. Yeah, we do the majority. Well, it serves the majority. It's enough. Most people will like it. And the problem with that thought process is is so often the same people keep getting hit in the minority. Right. It's the same exactly. people getting hit every single time. And and sometimes that's just as a female in tech, but often then now layer that on as a, Mm -hmm. you know, BIPOC in in tech or as LGBTQ plus in tech as a female. More issues than what I'm just facing.
0: Kimberly Crenshaw, she's the person who brought the whole concept of intersectionality. And then here's what we're kind of talking about when we look at it, right? So that you can get a gist of what the heck do you all mean when you're talking about this stuff? We're looking at, here's the person in the middle, and that's the person that you see, you know, here's your friend, here's your mate, here's your work colleague. But when they come into the room, there's all these things that are affecting them in some way or the other. So one of the things I was having a conversation about, funny enough, was age. Devon's doing a program at the moment about events, and there was a lady in there who is focusing in on age the fact that when you're over 65 you still have stuff to offer and you still can be a professional and people can still look at you there are people who are counted out because of age right so that is an intersectionality so if i'm a woman and i'm 65 and then you add on that that i may have a disability and you add on that that i can be black and then you add on that that i can come from a poor neighborhood and maybe I, I self-educated myself so I don't have all the traditional degrees, although I have achieved so much. Bam. I could possibly be triggered.
1: Yeah. Not only could you be triggered, but you're often, I don't want to say overlooked, you're often not represented. You're often undervalued. You're often underappreciated, acknowledged, right, for the diversity and viewpoints that that all brings to the table because it's not the majority. No. I mean, I, I can tell you, like, even looking at that chart, I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And there are so many times that I'm sitting in the room and I'm not, it doesn't even occur to me to think about some of those aspects.
3: No,
0: but these are, this is what we're talking but that's about. When well, when we, yeah, right. It is. And we tend to, Uh, and then now people listen to this, are going to have, um, I'm probably going to have texts and email, whatever
1: we (sighs) We got to have at least one every so often. So we got it. Right. So
0: when we talk about privilege, we tend very much only to put that in the class of white privilege, but what about career privilege that you've experienced when you talk about somebody who's older now, what privilege are you standing in? Are you still standing in the privilege of youth? So therefore, in that case, you're not comprehending. You're not sensitive at well, all think, to what it is they can be going through.
1: I think whatever the majority is in each of those classes has a dynamic of privilege, right? Right. Of, of, of certain things, whatever the majority is, like the cisgender, that's the majority, right. and so there's the privilege is assuming firsthand everybody's right. Straight.
0: That's it. Everybody must be. I'm sure they are. Everybody, everybody. looks it, right? So we did, we right. do that while they all oh, look. Everybody looks when we're not sure what does it look like. It's like the idea of saying nobody in this room has a disability. Well, not every disability is visible.
1: We did a, a thing about that in Agile 20. <laughs> all it does is make me realize that we haven't had one in person in a while. It's making me super sad. Um, like 17 or 18, where a few people talked about their invisible. Disabilities, but how that impacts them and, and what that means. And, and especially in a community that is about individuals and interactions. And the hard part is, is, you know, I'll hear this argument often from people is, and, and I will own that occasionally I'm like, there's so much and I just feel like I'm stepping in it all the time or like I can't yeah. get it right. And I, one, I try and give myself grace. It's human, right? We're all learning. Learning's tough. If it was easy, it wouldn't be in the comfort zone and it wouldn't be right. growing, right? But I think the other dynamic of it is, is we've expected the person that doesn't have the privilege to have to be the person that always speaks up and create that space, like meritocracy, just make your own room. It's like, right. no. And I think that's what the women's march really kind of taught me a lot about was how do I create the space where it really is inclusion and not just, well, just expect, you know, forget the fact that I haven't done any of that stuff. Just now get on board with this one because this is what's important. And it's like, right. no, no, I've got to create the right spaces that really represent that. And I think putting that onus more on, on the person that's in that state of privilege to create that space and really like, I might get it wrong, right? <laughs> I may not do it perfectly, but am I making an effort and opening and continuing the conversation. And I
0: think that's what we need to help people to understand that if you're making the effort, you're making a step, you're making a step. You may not have run the whole entire mile, right? But you're making a step. And the idea of having the conversations, even when it's difficult is making the step. Yeah. Right. So we look at what happened with Sharon. Um, Osborne the other day. Oh, right? I just went, I just mentally went there myself. Yeah, right, my right. My right. Because
1: right there, there's a conversation that was a conversation we saw. So, so, so hold up for people who may not be familiar with this. Okay. Um, I'm not even sure. I don't watch it. I think it's called the talk, right? Is that, right. that's the, the name of the talk show. I may even, I may don't even know. Brilliant. So, oh. so. Two people that were on, primarily two people that were on this talk show. They've been on it for a long time. One of them, Sharon Osborne, white, from, from Britain. Um, and then Cheryl Underwood, black woman, both been on this talk for a long time. Sharon Osborne ended up making a public statement in support of her friend, Pierce Morgan. But in her public statement, she was not specific that she's choosing to stand by her friend but she just dis- doesn't agree with what he said she just said i stand with pierce morgan he's not a racist and to which her colleague I have it.
0: so everybody can see what we're actually talking about some particular thing that we are talking about so you get the whole full gist let's do this
3: with what he said no. Everybody goes, if you support him, then you must be racist because he's racist. I'm not racist. Neither is Pierce racist. Sharon Osborne says she's sorry. Following Wednesday's heated discussion about Piers Morgan on the top. Right. I think we should stop this. And don't try and cry because if anyone should be crying, it should be me right now. I'm talking to a woman who I believe is my friend. I don't want anybody here to to watch this and say that we're attacking you for being racist. I think it's Anything? too late. I think that's the majority okay. so. While the women of the talk barely addressed that debate during Thursday's show,
2: we are a TV family
3: here. Sometimes we argue like we did yesterday and sometimes we laugh. But we are back together again today. Sharon did take to social media to apologize and further explain her point of view. The 68 year old wrote in part quote, "To anyone of color that I offended and or to anyone that feels confused or let down by what I said, I am truly sorry. I panicked, felt blindsided, got defensive, and allowed my fear and horror of being accused of being racist take over.
0: Now I thought, to myself, that part of my fear of being seen, because this is after the fact, right? Yeah.
2: And this was
1: not even her immediate after apology. She trolled some people on Facebook initially. She was very doubling down initially. That apology note was a secondary later thing.
0: Right. Way after the fact. But what I found so interesting when we looked at this whole thing it's now so correct. She sat down. You know she sat down at this point with her PR people on this and kind of gone through this whole thing, right? We know that when we see it at that point. And that's the point that makes you think. But I don't yourself, think it's correct. No. Because she doesn't apologize is. to Cheryl in it. She hasn't. It's assumed that Cheryl should be just okay now, right? right. now. I saw a thing that Cheryl had uh, kind of just made in a note about, right? Because she hadn't really commented on it too much. And she's like, you know, I've already forgiven her, which comes back again. Do you remember what some shows ago you and I spoke about the fact that a lot of the times the character that is inside of blacks is very far more forgiving because of their religious connections. They don't want to hold anything against anybody because they don't want it to affect them. So they're fast on letting it, let it go, 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 let it go. go, go. Because otherwise if they keep holding onto it, even if it's justified, it will hurt them. There was a piece. I did a thing last week uh my angelo piece where she was talking in her own words she was 55 at the time and talking about her life experiences this was an interesting crazy thing she said right now understand she was born in 1928 okay all right so she said as a little girl she thought that white people were hollow like physically hollow so she was frightened of going close to them because she felt if she touched them she'd disappear on their inside Because she believed they couldn't have anything on the inside and be so cruel. Because what she had seen demonstrated was black people always acknowledged everybody. They were always said some kind words, but these people were never kind. They were always horrible. So they couldn't have, and she used old style language. They couldn't have any innards and be that way. So. When you think of okay, that's a child because that was the childhood reference right that's not the right. adult now one who understood and was in the civil rights movement that that was her talking as what she thought a child, and we come back to today. I heard it was uh somebody something that kind of flashed across Instagram, and the it was a young girl, so she I would put the girl about in her if anything early thirties more likely less than that she said America should be grateful that blacks." Don't want revenge; they just want justice and
1: equality. That's it. if you've never, I haven't seen that video. It is one to watch because it, it is super powerful.
0: That's not not asking, not asking for much, right? So then, when you sit down on national television and you watch somebody who is older, so because we're Sharon being sixty, what sixty eight years old or whatever, right? And she may be older than that. Not telling anybody, but let's just say she's at that age. She has most of her life, because her father was wealthy, she wasn't. She didn't grow up broke, right? So she has most of her life sat in that position where I can have whatever I want, and I am the majority in the rooms, and the only thing she had to push against, and we can't say only because it is a push, is establishing herself as a female, but establishing herself as a female, it was to be able to become equal to a white male. That was the pressure to come
1: up to that spot. It was really fascinating to, I watched this video and I couldn't, I couldn't look away from the, the calm that Cheryl had to be, the reassuring and the comforting that she kept trying to offer Sharon. And it was fascinating to me because they did have a lot of white female friends who were like, but she was blindsided. So here's the hard part I have with that argument. And she even said, I panicked. I was blindsided. The executive set me up. You're on a talk show that talks about hot topics. BS. Two, you made a public tweet stand for your friend. Deal with it. You wanted to make that stand. So now make the stand. You weren't right. blindsided. You weren't like you made a point to make a stand. So now make your stand. Right. Three, you were completely missing the point in terms of you can still be a friend with somebody, but you got to be really clear about calling out when inappropriate, you know, like what you agree with, what you don't, right. or you are supporting what they do. Four, when she told her not to cry, I almost came through my screen. That was the.
0: Personification of white fragility. I was like, oh my gosh, if you're teaching this as a course, you can now go back and take a clip to demonstrate what she has been talking about in this book on national
1: television. This is what she means. But I think it hits to the intersectionality so well because some of my white friends went, but she was being attacked. She felt attacked. So she was like lashing out. And I'm like, but she wasn't even considering what Cheryl was going through in that moment. Her friend, right? Like, And that's where, if you remember many shows ago when we talked about white women's tears, that's what it took for me to finally understand that concept was what I expect to do as a friend to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, she was completely disregarding her grace, her culture, her, you know, all the things that were Cheryl was bringing to the table in regards to this topic that it wasn't just, oh, I want to be mean to Sharon and pick on her cuz she likes Pierce. No. Like there were a lot of things she was being vulnerable with even having this conversation about mm-hmm. that Sharon had the luxury of going, don't care, you were mean to me so I'm going to tell you you can't cry. And even when I see her responses and she's gone on a couple shows since they put them on the hiatus, mm-hmm. She's still playing the victim. She's still not really acknowledging that in that moment, she caused more harm than Pierce Morgan did, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Yes. That is a really big statement.
0: Pierce did it in one country. You brought that from that country
1: to another country. To people that were your friends. Pierce was shouting out to strangers. You did it to your friend.
0: Yes, you did. Because even when Pierce was having the conversation with, can't remember the dude's name now. It's gone. They, they put it on YouTube. So he brought on the show that day, another commentator who's black or mixed race, biracial is the correct term. So he was on the show with him and he, he was like, okay, yeah, I know you, but I need you to understand what it looks like. Yeah. Even if that's not on here in your heart. Pierce, everybody's seeing you now and this is what you look like.
3: And right? Pierce just walks out. Which they isn't good. I think his
1: word that he used was diabolical that Pierce walked out, right? 100%. Right. But what Sharon did when she attacked and then she was like, educate me, tell me. And it
3: was oh, that- Oh, yeah. do you make me I'm
1: so sick of you people saying. And, and like, I-
0: I will okay. own-
1: I will own trisha of let's say five plus years ago would have been crueler than sharon was in that moment i'm pretty sure because i wouldn't have been able to see it i didn't consider those things right i didn't Mm -hmm. take it into consideration and i think sharon genuinely does feel like i'm but i'm not a racist and here's my thing for all white people out there white people please if you've got to utter the words, I'm not a racist, chances are whatever you're doing in the moment is racist. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. <laughs> but if you mm-hmm. actually have to say the words, I'm not racist, you're not listening. Some, someone's giving you a gift by telling you something that you might be doing that's hurting them, that's causing some part of their intersectionality trigger and a pain. We've got to start listening to people more and not just go, well, my intent is good. It doesn't matter if your impact sucks. That's gold what you just said then my darling.
0: That is gold. It doesn't matter we, what you're We into. suck at it in if your impact sucks. That's going to be coined. That <laughs> that's going to be its own audiogram right there. That's 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 awesome. You should you should I, like, I, like say that
1: again. I think that's hard for a lot of people because we do want to do we don't want to cause harm. I don't believe Sharon was trying no. to cause harm. I don't. I I think she felt hurt in that moment. But the problem is, is in that quest of feeling hurt in that moment, you're causing so much more pain. And then you're doubling down afterwards. And the hard part for me is, is I don't like the binary or good or bad. If you do things, I'll still do something stupid, racist, dumb, Tomorrow, I'm sure of it because I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. I'm still growing. There's so many things that I just don't even think about. Even the using the words I stand with is ableist. And I'm Mm still, I'm still trying to break that habit and and I struggle with it. Right. But on the same note, yes, it's natural to get defensive as a human first, but whatever we've got to start doing so that we can continue this conversation, because how much more powerful would it have been Mm -hmm. if they could have talked? During that, but the minute you're like, educate me, tell me, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And, and I don't blame Cheryl for starting to just like try and comfort her and calm her down because she's trying to be professional because she can't be the angry black woman. And it's like, that's right. Because
0: those were all the things that were on the line. Oh, oh, those were all the things so that were on the mind for Cheryl. She had to think about what if I tell her for real, let me educate you. No, educating you now could cost me my job. I've worked hard to be in this chair. I want to keep my chair even after this. So even if this is hurting me, I will not show you that I am in pain. I am simply going to allow you to feel less
3: pain.
1: And and the sad part is she's like, you're my friend. And that just hurt my soul. It hurt my soul that she was
0: trying to call out to Sharon. Hey, 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 look, look, look. You know me. You know me. You know me. You know I'm not trying to harm you. You know me. But that anger, you know, that fright or flight that we talk about, the fright or flight is what she got into. So in that moment, she wasn't able to really be rational, although she was still asking for education that was still in that fright
1: or flight mode. Yeah. But, but here's my thing is, is like, even in like, when you say, you know, me, right? Like, I think we've talked about this before, but I think this is actually another example of it is like, how many people Think they have an intersectional friendship, right? With somebody. And reality is they don't really have a friendship. You don't know this person because they can never share their full self. They can never highlight certain things. I always watch this on Twitter and things like this when people are like, don't use me as your one black friend. Like, I, you're like, we're an acquaintance, right? Or we're a coworker and we don't really mm-hmm. know each other. You don't know me because I can't bring my full self. And I just in that moment, it made me sad that here are two women, colleagues, and and an intense high pressure kind of colleague visually for the rest of the world. For years, I I think that their friendship might not be as deep and real, like they couldn't have these kinds of conversations, that they'll have conversations about other people, but they can't have conversations about their own pain and, and dynamics. And for me, that's, like, I always laugh when people like, I don't let anybody on my Facebook page just because you know me, like, I feel like I have to know, know you, right? And so I always laugh when like a neighbor pings me on my Facebook page. And so I accept it. And then they're like, well, if you don't like something I I say, just scroll by. And I'm like, no, that's not how I am in friendships. <laughs> like, I don't just go, oh, there's some hate. I'll just pass on by. No, mm-hmm. I'm going to engage in it or we're not friends and get off my page. So. It really drew to me how many people think they have friendships through intersectionality when in reality, they know somebody. They don't really give that space, kind of going full circle to what we were talking about earlier, for mm-hmm. that full person. Yeah. Where Cheryl couldn't say, it's me, you know me, because mm-hmm. I don't
3: know what Sharon
1: really does.
2: No, that's, that's, that's you
1: know, wow. I
0: think that's that's really true. Sad. <laughs> wow, that is really sad, especially if somebody would refer to somebody as a friend and you would think you have never touched this particular topic.
1: Right? I mean, how long did it take for us to hit this topic? <laughs> like, I mean, I think we were doing it in the first couple events. Actually, did we do it during Dean's class? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. There was that was I was remember that there was that when we were walking down to go back and forth to where the hotel stuff was, they were talking and you were like, you know, it's this is whole bully thing. I can't stand with these bullies. And people we were having the conversation was always and like kind of an ongoing situation. But I think again, I'd been doing an IC agile course for the past uh, I guess four or five days. And there was a spot of reflection where the question was asked, when you are learning, what is it that makes your learning environment and your reflection? What is it that fosters you, your ability to learn? And I said, oh, fun. I love having fun, right? And then having fun. And I said, and then moments where I can have an aha. And then, you know, you're having a coaching session. So Dixley Dick goes, what do you mean by a moment you can have an aha? And I said, a moment where I can allow myself to really swallow something. And he goes, what does that look like for you? I said, a moment where I can be vulnerable. And I can come from behind the wall so I'm safe. And he said, ah, what do you mean by safety? And when he said that, I had like three, six back steps. I'm like, what the hell do I mean by safety and training? What the hell am I talking about? And then as he dwelled deeper, I realized, because I made the statement, normally when I go to a professional training, I have to decide which persona I will be. And then I learn from that persona. And that takes energy being the persona I've had to pick for whatever place versus when I can just be my authentic self. When I'm able to feel safe enough, I can be my full authentic self, which means I get a deeper learning now because I don't have so many guards up. But if he had never gone that deep, I wouldn't have even known I do that.
1: I actually realized I totally do it when I was taking the CRR Global and somebody was like, Well, I want you to do this. And I'm like, that's not who I'm here to be today. And literally were the words <laughs> that came out of my mouth. Like, I'm, I'm like, like hey, that's I, not I, what I'm trying to do right now. That's not who I'm trying to be right now.
0: Think about it. It slipped out of your subconscious, so you audibly heard it. If he hadn't dug, I wouldn't have known that really is something I've
1: been doing all these years when I go to corporate training. Well, think about it. I mean, Lizzie, I'll put you on the spot and ask this question for a second think about the times that you've been in the workplace or even in the agile community. How many people, if they went, Oh, I'm friends with Lizzie. Would you actually go? Yeah, that's a friend. The truth is
0: time has proven to me very few. And that's almost sad, but it makes sense to me now because when I, when you think about, when you go to a place where your friends are, you go, you hang out with them, you chill out with them, and you just, ah, you can just be you, right? And I've noticed every event I've gone to, put aside, you know, it's only me or Devon that looks like us, and if Devon hasn't shown up, it's just me. Then, you know, you put that aside. There's still not been places where I just feel like I go sit down and talk with people or join in a conversation unless I'm really pulled in, which has fostered the introvert in me. So You morph you actually become this morph on a consistent basis so you perfect morphing
1: yeah but other people will think that they have a relationship other people with think you that they will they will they will
0: absolutely and they they don't because i've never shown up they've never actually met me
1: but but it makes me then go how many people and when i think of society as a whole right like as that example is like yeah i mm-hmm. have a black neighbor i'm not racist it's like You're offending that neighbor every single day and you don't know it because you have have no idea, right?
0: One way people can judge because I've been using this lately, right? And I've been saying to people, when I connect with you, when I make an intentional connection with you, I should be willing to have you sit at my table and I feed you food. In my house, sit at my table and I cook and feed you. You are not a friend, not to me. Now,
1: I may be a friend to you. You're not a friend to me. But I think this goes back to the whole intersectionality of like, can I show up my whole self? I'm comfortable to share my son Connor with you. I'm comfortable to, you know, talk about um, my family and different dynamics and how I grew up and things like that. Now, I'm a pretty open person. I talk about a lot of things pretty out there, right? But yet there are still certain things that like I remember sitting in a hotel room during an Agile conference once and highlighting a really like, private painful kind of historical thing, a trigger for me. And I said it so casually that actually Ronica Roth went, wait, wait, can you back up there? Like, like, because I was so comfortable, like, these are my friends, I can just share that, right? Mm -hmm. And there's so many times that I think in the workplace, we do have surface level relationships that we present as deeper than they are. And then we are unable to carry on these conversations because we haven't put in the time and the investment to be able to have, to avoid the fight or flight reactions, to not feel embarrassed when I say something dumb and to be able to give more grace to the other person that their intent is in a good place, right? As as we not excuse it, not avoid it, but to be able to not want to rip your face off when you say something. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, but
0: that's because you've gone past. Your intention is not invisible because I know you. When I don't know you, your intention is totally invisible, right? What is worse, if you've said something the wrong thing, you can't even talk to me about your intention because I'm going to think you're lying because there's no trust established. So the same
1: one thing- side there could be this trust, right? Like that's the fascinating thing when we're dealing with intersectionality. For the majority, I think there were so many times that I can even think back in the past of saying, oh yeah, no, there was trust. And it's like, no, no, that person had a persona, had a code shifting, you know, switching going on, had different things that I hadn't earned an actual deep relationship with yet. And yet I was coming from that place.
0: Mm -hmm. Which is why I go back to the concept of I can be a friend to you, but you're not a friend to me. And if we've never discussed the concept of the relationship, what do we have together? There's no true clarity for anybody to really know the truth of what exists. One of the things I've started doing, uh, I started doing it last year, but I've become a lot, uh, a lot more intentional this year. And I think maybe it's the whole age thing as well that's come
3: about, right?
0: I have actually started telling people who they are to me. Oh, So to me, you are this is that okay with you being that to me? And who am I to you? Kind of part of my evolution as a, a person. It's something I'm doing. And when people touch my heart, I'm letting them know. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I'm not misemotional telling emotional I know. That's where I
1: got even emotional knowing you're doing that.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not. So when I say it or I text it, it takes a lot for me to say, I just want you to know I appreciate you that's a huge for me. But if somebody doesn't know me, they don't know how huge that is for me and how vulnerable I'm being in that moment in coming to you and saying, I thank you. I appreciate you. That's huge for me, but you wouldn't know that if you don't know me. I I play with this word all the time, intimacy. They never get into me to see me because that takes work and that takes effort. Now, we're not saying in corporate America you're going to have intimacy with everybody in the bloody room. Nobody's asking
3: you to <laughs> no, have I just want to, to make sure
0: I <laughs> clarify that. I am not saying, right, corporate America, you should be an intimate space. No. <laughs> Roll it back. Lizzie did not say that. I'm I so, telling you, I, I know what. you should be an inclusive <laughs> space where you're consciously making the effort to recognize the people, so they know they are seen, they are heard, and they are respected. That's what I'm asking you to do in the corporate space. Let people know they're and then seen. They bring they are a lot heard, of different
3: respected. things to the
1: table, right? Yes. Like their whole self comprises many different factors and things that you may not be aware of that they're processing or dealing with in that moment. I cannot tell you how many people were like my coworkers not coming to work right after George Floyd's murder. And I was like, how are you shocked that that person like no, of course they're not okay right now. Like I and yet I think there's that privilege of being able to kind of ignore that other people might be dealing with some of these challenges that come with intersectionality.
0: Right? I'm sure a lot of people had to take that time out was for a real good reason too, because <laughs> could you imagine going in as raw as you feeling somebody say the wrong trigger thing to well, you? I
1: think the personas can't stay <laughs> up with that. And that's why a lot of no, people. Because the, the energy it takes to hold the personas. You can't hold the
0: persona and have one element of your intersectionality be crushed. If you think about them as even like their measures, you know, we, um, architects build buildings, right? In the pillars, they hold different weights of the building at different times, right? Well, if you think about every single one of them are currently experiencing a shockwave, it's going to put stuff off balance. Creativity is going to be messed up in that space. Me thinking, right, and being able to be extremely strategic is not going to happen if one of my augments that make me up are off. And that's the reason why it's important, I think, for corporations to start investing in coaches being on site to help people and go into sessions and facilitate them so that you can build a habit of creating atmospheres that hold space for the whole person, because that is not going to come overnight. That's going to take intentional work and budget
1: well, and, and also that. building back trust. Like there's so many people that make the stupid kind it's business. It's not personal. First of all, that's from a fictional movie. Second of all, it was about the mob. Stop quoting it as a business best practice. Stop. Like it's not okay. But I think there's a lot of, I don't trust to be vulnerable at work. I don't mm-hmm. trust to, to do that. Even when I don't even play in all the intersectionality dynamics, it's like, That's tough to bring. I think race mentioned that earlier is it's tough to bring your whole self. It's not always easy. And, and I've got to do personally a better job of remembering as hard as it is for me to bring my whole self, that it's even harder for many other people because of all of the different things that they're bringing. We take
0: the place you always get hurt or most triggered by the organizations you trusted to be different or people because in your mind you assume well you okay you're not like everybody else so you do see me you do appreciate me you do understand me i am safe in this space when the organizations you trust show that they're not right who you thought they were and that they're not seeing you and they're not respecting you and they're not holding space for you as a whole person that's the part that's hard because then it becomes even harder for that individual to build trust in any other organization. Because if the one I really thought was really here for me, they were really making space for me. And then you're like, uh, psych. No, they're not. They're like all the others. <gasps> then my judgment's wrong. Oh my God. I don't know when people are really for me or not. And the
1: whole nother wall. Spiral. I think there's so much baggage too. I, I I even feel it sometimes as a woman in tech, but like there's that, oh, they're not really here for me and they are, but I, I'm i overanalyzing something. Like I haven't heard from them in a couple of months. It's like, no, nobody's heard from her in a couple of months, but like, I'll start like feeding into something because I'm just expecting it too. So sometimes even yeah. when they're, they're not, there's not an issue, I'll create an issue.
0: Right, it's easy. I mean, we recently had one with uh, women in agile. Because when you look at um, Women's Day, the video that went out didn't have any black women included to uh-huh. celebrate International Women's Day. Now, as much as there was an apology and stuff, there were still some people in the community very hurt by that. And that's going to take work on Women in Agile's part to build a trust level back for those people to trust now uh-huh. women in Agile, right? The way they used to. Because that kind of oversight, in essence, just goes back and it pulls back all the work that has been done last year. So it's like you're starting all over again. And here's the thing. Here's the big question that's out there uh, for our organization is, are you going to be willing to do the work now? Or will you not care to do the work because it's no longer a media item? Which is why we're having the show consistently. So let's continue the conversation because even when it's no longer a media topic, even when it's not in the news, even when there's not the fear of being socially shamed for something for you to have to do something, now it's about your intention of, are you who you said you were? And will you do the work necessary? Because it's a and, continuous, it's a forever working on this thing.
1: It's a forever. Working. And from the, the, the individuals that I know involved in women in agile. And again, I know there's different chapters and things. I have high trust and belief that this will be a learning and, and a growth and, and that work will be done um, from every indication that I have. But the, the sad part is, is that's part of it is, is it, the question, right? Like the question even has to be there. So what really our
0: hope is in doing the show is yes. that people won't have to do this switching or have to put something else on because they will be able to be all the sections that they are wherever they are whenever they're there that is our hope so we're asking you to pay attention to your environments to look out for them and be the person there that's opening a door and holding space for people to at least be as we said at the very worst the very least is included respected and seen you can start loving and liking them later like (laughs) that's the next level <laughs> right? Well, let's start with the first level so that we start to change our corporate spaces, but it means we're going to have to have conversations when we're not seeing the things happen, hold space for those conversations and have a conversation you wouldn't have thought of having before, right? We kind of double dog dare you have the conversation. It won't be as bad as you thought it would be, and it will help you to have another conversation after the first one, right because that's what it's all about. If you want to be a guest on the show or know somebody who might be a great guest, please have them send us an email. We've got an email box now. Let's continue the conversations at Gmail. So you can email us there and we will get back at you. And we want you to follow the movement. Start a movement where you are. Start having conversations. Let us know how the conversations are going when you're having them. You know, if you want some tips, like talk to us about what you're trying to do to make things better so that everywhere the conversation can start going. Contact us on LinkedIn. We are there. I still haven't quite figured out the the link thing for our LinkedIn, so I'm sorry I'm going to get with that program. But we do want to thank you for being here with us today as we continue on our mission of helping people understand they can have a conversation, regardless of the color of the skin, regardless of their gender choice, regardless of their culture and where they are. A conversation is always possible. It may not always feel doable, but it's always possible. So you just got to do the work and grab the courage to have the conversation. So thank you guys for being here with us. Have a great rest of the week and keep talking. Now, just because the episode is over doesn't mean the conversation has to stop. Come find us on Instagram at Let's Continue the Conversation and let us know what you thought of today's episode and what takeaways you're leaving with. And don't forget to help us spread the word, screenshot the episode, add it to your Insta stories and tag us at Let's Continue the Conversation. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over on Let's Continue the Conversation.com. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you next time.